everyone. Welcome to the Art of Food, Art of Change podcast. My name is Akine Bimsola, a master's student at the University of Ibadan. Currently doing a master's in clinical nutrition and dietetics. The Art of Food, Art of Change podcast is a podcast where we bring on learned experts and enthusiasts in the food system and environment space to teach and challenge us on this particular topic. And today's podcast, we're going to be celebrating the International Women's Day 2023 with the theme Embracing Equity and we have the perfect guest for that. Our guest joining us today is Dr. Olutayo Adeyemi and she's an independent nutrition consultant with over 15 years of experience in food safety, the food systems and public health. And Dr. Olutayo has worked with a number of organizations such as the WHO, the FAO, and the Global Alliance for Improving Nutrition. I will not talk so much because Dr. Lutayo has a wealth of experience. She has so much background and amazing woman doing great things in the food system, the food systems environment. But I'm just going to let her do a brief introduction and then we jump right into it. So over to you, Ma. Okay, thank you very much, Mbemisola. And thank you really for inviting me to, to be part of this podcast. Yeah, so like you already said, I'm Olutaya DME. I'm a nutritionist by education and by experience. I started out my career in the health sector. I completed the first degree in human nutrition in 2005, and then I started working in the health sector. But along the line, more because I'm more interested in preventing malnutrition as well as I'm taking a policy perspective to, to nutrition challenges and issues related to nutrition, I moved more into the food system and the agricultural sector. And so I've been doing a lot of work around um, policy, food systems agree for the last eight years, since 2015. And um, my current work as an independent consultant is really because I'm based in Lagos. My family is based in Lagos. And so the policy work is... Um, mostly domiciled in Abuja, if you work at the federal level. And so the way I could combine both what I love to do with the demands of home and family life is to be based in Lagos and to work independently. So that puts a lot less pressure than if I had a full-time job and was working out of Abuja. And so this is about me. I, I know that the theme for the International Women's Day this year is around um, the digital space and women's interaction with it. Um, a lot of the work I do around the food systems, a lot of it has to do with working with data and making data more accessible, digitizing data that is currently not um, digitized. And interestingly, working with data has been something that I have done for a long time. So my very first job after NYC was as a statistician or research analyst with a nutrition NGO because I was really interested in data analysis, making, um, telling stories out of the numbers. And so it's something that has been consistent throughout my career, regardless of whichever sector I work with or whatever I'm doing. And so um, the, the work I'm currently doing includes um, working on a food systems dashboard. Um, so there's a global food systems dashboard that has data for countries. So it has one data point for countries, but 
um, multiple years for some indicators. And so what we, we did was the a team of people got together and said, look, Nigeria is a big country. We have a lot of challenges and one data point does not really reflect the situation in any one state. And so we, we decided to work on collating the data for these indicators, but at the state level so that we can have a Nigeria Food Systems dashboard that provides information about each state. So that, that's one piece of work. Another piece of work we're interested in working on, and we are still thinking about how to, to best go about it, is to have this sort of um, like digital space or, or this sort of like data hub um, where different food system actors and different parts of the food system can interact in real time. So it's exchanging information, exchanging information to improve food production, to improve processing, to improve market access, to improve access to inputs, to improve just the food systems in general. So, so one of the senior colleagues I work with who actually conceptualize a lot this idea um, perceives it's sort of like a, an air traffic control room where data is coming in from different things about different things about the weather in different places should this plane land should this plane take off and things like that so having something like that for food systems in nigeria where um, multiple actors working in different spaces can communicate with each other to ensure that there's efficiency and effectiveness for each of these actors and each of these um, components of the food systems so those are some of the things i'm, I'm working on right now thank you well, thank you very much, Ma, for that introduction. We're still going to get around some of the things you mentioned, like the uh, data hub that you're creating for food system actors. But um, before we start into the um, questions proper, I would like you to tell us two fun facts about yourself. <laughs> two fun facts. <laughs> so <laughs> the last few years, <laughs> I'm not sure I've done a lot of fun, but I, I guess fun facts, I like a lot of um, fiction. So so two things I like to do when I want to relax and all of that is to just read like mindless books, books that don't take any effort out of like fiction, like happy ever after stories. I really like happy endings um, because yes, it makes you sort of like believe, gives you this kind of good feelings that good things are possible in this life and regardless of how bad things are you can really create happy endings and things like that so that's one one fun thing about me that i like to read those kinds of books people find it yes and then the other thing is i like retail therapy so um retail therapy is when you sort of shop for things as a way to distress and so i have i'm always interested in looking for new place to shop for different kinds of things it can be food it could be clothes it could be books it could be anything like anything of interest like just walking around and you know when you say shopping doesn't necessarily mean that you're buying something it's pretty much even also looking at what they have for sale and all of that some of it is online stores so just going whiling away one two hours looking at the, the kind of things that people sell and, and there's some you know some sites you go to and you see something like, like wow that kind of thing exists like <laughs> who would want to buy <laughs> something like that well yes so those are two fun things I do. But, but another thing I guess I can say is that I'm really interested in my lifetime. I wish I could visit all the UNESCO World Heritage Sites. I don't think it's going to happen because there are just so many of them. But I try. 
I try. Initially, I was like, oh, every year I'm going to tick some of my lists. I start with the more prominent ones. I haven't done too well over the last few years. But I think, um, yes, I, I will get better. And um, yes, visit more of these places, travel, meet new people, not for work now. I mean, just travel for the sake of seeing new places, meeting new people, experiencing different cultures. Well, I think we have a lot in common, Doctor Lutaya, because I also love reading fiction. I find it I find it relaxing away from the school and work stress. Just oh, what's going on? What's going to happen? And I think I like happy endings, but I also tend to read a lot of mystery and thriller books as well. So it's glad to know that you enjoy reading fiction and um, traveling is also one thing I enjoy doing. And yes, traveling for work is different when you're traveling for leisure and just visiting so thank you very much for that ma so the very first question i want to ask in relation to the international women's day and the role of women in food system transformation is what innovative and effective ways so far have women contributed to the food system i know you've made you've made mention of a couple of them so but i want to i want you to explain further I think I find this question sort of difficult to answer and I say difficult because when you talk about innovative and effective ways you can look at it from different levels and some of these ways are prominent some are visible some are not visible so if, if you look at some of the the things that have been happening recently um, in the in the food system space space so I talked about the, the global food system dashboard for instance you have quite a number of women I, I haven't looked at the, the, the key people who are working on it. I haven't tried to look at what the gender balance is. But off the top of my head, if, if I think of the names I can remember for those who are working on Global Food Systems Dashboard, it will seem like there are actually more women than men um, among that team. Um, so, so that's one thing. If you look at the, the Food System Summit, the 2021 UN Food System Summit, the, the UN Special Envoy for, for that summit was a woman, and there were a lot of women who drove um, the, the action tracks, um, all of the processes that went into making that a success, that went into uh, making countries to actually think critically about their food systems and start to do things about it. There were quite a number of women who were um, the conveners in their country for the food systems dialogue and for driving all the processes that that went into that summit and so um you also have a lot of women i don't want to mention too many names so that it's not going to be like oh why did she mention this person and not this person but it, the, the, it, if you look at people who are advocating for better food systems who are really at the forefront of the move for um addressing climate change and now you, you can take it from looking at the scientists who are working on these things you can take it um you can look at um um the the people who are interfacing with governments who are leading change um, i read recently about a, a young woman in brazil who is leading indigenous people to to advocate for the protection of the amazon forests and all of that and she's really pushing against a lot of big business and people who are not happy with um, the, the things they, they are pushing for. But so, so at various fronts, you can see um, women are really involved in, in transforming food systems. So these are at the big level, the global ones, the ones you see. But you also have um, the day-to-day -day actions that influence the food systems. So the farming practices, the, the people who go to the markets and decide what their families are going to eat, the people who go to... Um, 
who at home are going to prepare meals out of whatever is available at home you have a lot of women involved in it it's it's i mean we can say what we want the the, the international women's day is talking about equity but we know that right now there's no equity there's no equality in the in the time in the effort that women put into domestic tasks including tasks around um food um preparation and everything that goes on uh, about food at the, the household level and at the level of children and other household members and so you have courageous women who, who are, are learning new indigenous methods new ways of doing things that are helping them to keep producing food despite climate change despite other challenges despite society restrictions that tell them you can't do this you can't do that and we, we don't know all of the stories we've not talked to enough people but I, i'm sure that the, the more we do research the more we try to find out some of these things you realize that um some of the problems we are talking about some of the challenges we are, we are talking about they're actually being addressed in innovative ways by small groups of people always including women i don't think you can find change um success anywhere and there's no woman there either she's either visible or she she's not visible but honestly we know that women push change women push success things change even and i mean you can even talk about you know there are all these popular jokes where they talk about oh if something is going even bad or going in a negative direction or there's a woman involved and things like that so women really drive change and uh, well, i hope that we'll use our women power women influence for for good for, for positive but, but yes um so this is why i say that it's really hard for me to say that to, to talk about specific innovative and effective ways because if i do that i'll be talking about the ones that are seen the ones that i know but they may not be the most innovative and effective it will just be these are the ones that are readily out there it's also the ones that the media tells us is happening so there are people who are not on the radar of the media at all maybe there's no media that is even interested in the places where they live or, or they are not um connected to the internet or they don't have regular access to the internet and so they are doing great amazing things protecting other women protecting their their environments ensuring that their communities are able to keep producing food in spite of many challenges ensuring that their families and their communities were able to stay healthy during um big shocks to to food supply like covid-19 and, and so many other things food price shocks and things like that but we don't know about them and so I think um there are many ways we can we can look at this question but really really um I've mentioned some of the ways there are quite a lot of things that are going on out there if you just take the time to dig you'll see some of the ones that have been talked about but you can just imagine that there are much more that we wouldn't know about ever or we only learn about um years down the line Thank you very much Mara. You really made a, an important point talking about how women are drivers in food system transformation not only in the food system in all sectors of life really but when we're looking at the food system um, transformation process we know that women are really influential either at the forefront or even behind the scenes women are everywhere women are doing their best they are playing their role in food system transformation and of course we have someone like Dr Lutayo which is also doing something around that so thank you very much Mara. for that. Um moving on we're going to be talking about now we know women are playing a part women are doing their best in food systems transformation but as a woman on the, in the forefront of that what challenges have women faced so far and how 
can we overcome those challenges as a woman myself and someone hoping to have a career in the food systems? How can women overcome challenges that the OM face in the food systems? Okay, um, thank you very much, Vimi Sola. So I, I, some of the, the key challenges women face in food systems are the same challenges women face in general. And so you, you realize that, increasingly realize that women, the, the, the playing field for women to, to compete, to participate is not level. And some of it is just because um, people don't realize even, you, you know, people don't realize that some things are challenges. A case in point is that I, I remember um, someone asking me, was I think last year someone asked me about a very um, useful um, nutrition leadership conference or, or like program that is done every year and the person said how come you have never applied for this program how come you have never participated in this program and I was like honestly each time I want to participate the simple truth is that participation is in person it's the last almost two weeks and I've just never been able to to have um, had a very um, productive few years in terms of reproduction having children and all of that I have very young children at home and just the, the thought I'm either pregnant or I'm breastfeeding when I'm supposed to be applying or when I'm supposed to be going for this meeting and I think about it the feasibility of just leaving home for almost two weeks I just can't see how it's going to happen. And the person said, oh, we never thought about um, this like that. We've never even thought about having virtual participation in some of these programs uh, because it's not the way um, it has been done. And maybe that nobody just ever brought up these issues. But what I'm trying to say is that now some of the people involved in these things are also older women. But you know, sometimes um, there are different um, life stages. When you talk about um, women, you cannot um, remove from the fact that um, when you talk about reproduction, having children um, and all of that, it's different for a woman just because she's the one who's going to carry the baby. Um, she's not able to move around at certain periods. She has a baby, she's going to breastfeed. And part of the food system, for instance, is breastfeeding because you have children zero to six months, the entire food system should be um, um, breast milk if you're doing it the right way. And then from six months to 24 months, you expect breast milk to still be a big part of that child's food system. And you can't have breast milk without women. So even, I mean, so this is physiology now. So that that's one challenge, just the, the challenges around physiology. I remember there are some things that you want to do. And when you think of all the work you have to do to, to be able to leave home, or if you're taking a child with you to be able to exactly just leave home it's like is it worth it at all um so so this is i mean just talking about maybe the physiological side or or some of the demands um from a woman because of physiology but honestly if you talk about it from a professional um, point of view too you talk about many things you talk about access to information you talk about um access to capital you talk about limited mobility so so um, let me try to explain some of these things. So if, if you talk, for instance, about um, access to information, you find out that if you're in a space where there are men or women, depending on the forum, if it's like an informal space where there are men or women, the kind of conversation that, that men would have when there are women present is not necessarily the same kind of conversation that they will have when it's an only uh, man's 
sort of like that doing and then when it's only man they can talk business they can exchange information they can exchange ideas um help each other's businesses to grow and all of that but if most of the times when i'm in, in those kinds of settings and i watch um social settings informal settings where there are men and women present and you hear the men talking about business you hear the men talking about um things that are happening the women are either not seated there or if they even attempted to sit there if they try to contribute to the conversation what will happen is that the conversation will change the men will start talking about something else the topic will change or she will be frowned upon or things like that so so now this is just in like informal day-to-day interactions so even in the spaces around which women live and work now we, we are all food system actors we may be doing it professionally we may just be by virtue of our day-to-day life so we are all food system actors we all interact with the food system so you realize that the the access to information that women have is just not the same as uh, men have and again like i mentioned some of it is not deliberate some of it is not intentional it's just the way the society has been built over years and years and years that have conditioned um, people to act in certain ways and then you talk about capital for some reason i don't know how <laughs> uh, maybe because i live in nigeria from nigeria i live in nigeria there's just that attitude that businesses women build are not as successful as men or women are not um, entrepreneurs and all of that that uh, if a woman is doing business or she's doing entrepreneurship very soon the, the it, it's not going the success is not going to last you know there's that kind of thing and even the kind of businesses they expect women to do they expect women to be involved in like small business and so when there's bigger business they'll say oh don't worry your head about this it's not this is not the kind of um you're not the kind of people we are looking for for this kind of thing you know and even when you approach financial institutions just by virtue of your gender you say oh, women they are never serious when they do business they just do it anyhow and all of that so access to to capital access to land even so if someone wanted to do primary production we still have a lot of cultural laws the, the government says yes anybody can buy land but when it comes down to it you want to buy land as a female you realize that it's not everywhere you can buy land there are some places where land cannot be put in, in, in a woman's name regardless of what the law says culturally nobody will approve the land once they realize it's a woman who is involved then the, the dynamics and everything just changes um so you can talk about it in various ways there are parts of the country there are other places where uh, women cannot even go to the markets place and all of that. They can't go to markets because it's male-dominated. If they go to the market, they are limited to certain spaces and that affects um, the level to which they can participate in, in markets. That affects a lot of ways in which they can participate in so many things. So so when you talk about challenges facing women, and, and I, I've not even talked about it from um, the professional point of view, um, a lot of women are pulled in several ways. The truth is we still do not have a, a gender-neutral society. We still don't have gender equality. We don't have gender equity. Um, there are still so many, many issues. So, so there's no way we talk about it. When you talk about profession, I've been in even job panels before where, where they're talking about hiring people and they say, oh, she's female and all that. If we hire her, she's young, she just got married or she's planning to get married soon. That means maybe she's going to spend like the next five, six years having children. That's going to affect her work. That's going to affect her productivity. She's going to take leave. Why don't we just get a male who is not going to have any of these issues and things like that. Recently, I was recruiting research assistants and one, one of the ladies I wanted to recruit, um, 
um, she's from a part of the country where um, the, the mobility, so ability for women to leave the, the house without men and to travel is very limited. And so even though she was most qualified for the job, I was told that, look, this job involves traveling and she's not going to be allowed to go. Her family is not going to allow her to go because she's, she's going to be seen, uh, the way she'll be perceived is not going to be good for her reputation. So um, we, we suggest that rather than recruiting her, you put a male who is just as good and all of that. And I'm like, but there are other roles in, in the organization. I can split the role and give the non-travel part to the female and give the travel part to, to the male. And the, the, the person who was helping me to do recruiting said, well, if you think that's possible, that's fine. But I can tell you that her family is not going to allow her to travel. So even though she was the most qualified person for that position, she was going to lose the opportunity to build her experience, to build her career and all of that. But but maybe because I'm female, because I faced um, this kind of challenges, I said, yes, fine, I'm willing to split the role. So let's the, the part that doesn't involve travel, let her do it. And the part that involves travel, let me engage the male and do it. And both of them work. It's worked well for both of them because they also had, um, they, they were both going to take academic positions. So they couldn't take a full-time role anyway. But I mean, it's just an example of some of the kind of um, challenges that women face. When you talk about mobility, in places where women cannot go out by themselves freely, they need to have a male with them or an older female. And that's just for day-to-day life activities. Now, not to talk of participating in the, in the food system as um, an active agent now, not just the one that everybody does, but like it, as a profession or, or as a change agent in terms of working to, to change some of the systems and all of that. So, so these challenges are there. You cannot, uh, we can ignore it, but they are, exist. They are real life challenges. When you talk about work-life balance, everybody expects that if in a home, no matter how, to a large extent, even in, in, in liberal settings, you realize that when there's pressure or in the home front and all that. It's the woman everybody expects to sacrifice. That the woman should be the first person who sacrifices for the for the home um, before the man. And everybody thinks that it's the woman's role. Particularly, and, and, and again, I'm talking from the viewpoint of somebody who has lived a lot in Nigeria, but it happens, I've lived in other contexts as well. And it also happens, and um, you see men help, um, doing housework, or doing things in the house, they say, "Oh, oh, he's a very um, good man. He's a very he helps the woman." I know I, I've had this conversation both with male. I have some very um, forward-thinking male friends that that it gets on their nerves. That why should a man cleaning his own house that he lives in? Why should a man taking care of his own child be considered as helping the woman in his life? Because it is considered that that he shouldn't be helping. He's doing it. He's doing it. It is anybody's role. Anybody can do it. But because of the way we program to think, you see many things that say, "Oh, he's helping." But when he's not helping, it's is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I talk about it from the point of faith, I'm like, "Look, the Bible says the one is the helpmate. It means the man is supposed to be doing everything." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's actually the one who is helping. You know, yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> It's the way the society is. Women are supposed to be the ones to sacrifice first for the home front. No matter how busy the career is, no matter how... And sometimes you live with very enlightened men that um, you have very enlightened bosses you have that are even willing for you not to sacrifice. But because of the societal pressure, the other people that are looking and then the way they'll be talking kind of things, they will say they'll make the woman depressed, they will make her 
and you know the, even the man will just say look eh, even though you are willing please i don't want the the emotional trauma that will come around me doing these things is too much so please let me just take a back seat through and um yes let me step down let me sacrifice and all of that so so some of it is not just um physical as long as the society doesn't get to a place where it accepts that women are able to do many more things than we have currently condition them to do it's going to be difficult for women to, to step up to the plate to do something it's not because they don't want to not because they're not even able to in, in some circumstances but because the challenges the emotional pressure the emotional blackmail or those kinds of things that even come along with it sometimes um makes it really difficult or or they wait and they're like look it's not worth it let me just um, not do this or let me stick a step back let me do something less and all of that yeah thank you very much ma women actually go through a lot yeah you said earlier that the um the, the playing field isn't leveled for both men and women and you were giving an example of how if a man is traveling for example a man of the house is traveling for maybe work or a work trip the only thing he has to do is pack his bag and then he's gone but for a mother she has to say okay i think i have to prepare food for the week um what's my husband going to eat what are my children going to eat is everything okay have i packed their school their school books have i done their assignments and that um, paid care work burden for women is also part of the challenges that women face even as drivers in the food system transformation so thank you very much ma'am for helping highlight the challenges that women face but now that we know that there are challenges how can we as women try to overcome that to be um pivotal influences especially in the food system transformation um okay so thank you very much for that question so some of it the first step i think is to recognize that these challenges exist um i've met people who who work in the gender space people who who work in trying to make um things more equal for for men and women or, or work in, in gender equity space and um there are some people who who try to minimize the challenge those and say oh things are really improved in the last few years and some people try to generalize and they say oh it's only like this in, some, in this place it's only like this in this place the truth is that no matter which society you live in currently there are still gender specific challenges that we have is just that some societies have really recognized those challenges they recognize the barriers and they put ten steps to mitigate it so i think the first thing we need to do is to recognize that these challenges exist they may be real like i said some of them are imagined so for instance the one I, example i give where women perceive the way women perceive that the society will look at them even though nothing has happened is something that would are thinking like oh if i do this then the society is likely to do it in this way and i'll face this backlash and then it affects the behavior they take so that you can say okay it's imagined because it, it hasn't really happened and all that but it's the conditioning and so we have to recognize that these challenges exist that's the first step and then we, we have to look at how to we have to be adaptable we have to be adaptable we have to be flexible we have to recognize women's contributions so that that's the other reason why sometimes it seems as if women are not doing a lot the reward system in the society is skewed so okay so this is not for system now if you look at the world of sports I'm not a big sports enthusiast but from what I know the sports that even when you have women version and male version of the same sports except for maybe tennis a lot of these other sports like um, soccer 
um, basketball and all these other things. When the men play, it's a big thing. Like there's a lot of money that exchanges hands. More money exchanges hands when men are playing than when women are playing. So you know, this is like just sort of like a secular example. But we need to recognize women's contributions. The time the women put, for instance, when you talk about athletes, the time they put in training, the time they put in doing all those things, is it less than the time the men are putting? Probably even more because of all these challenges that we've talked about. The way the media portrays um, the contributions of women, maybe their voices are more on heads than that of men. Why? And so we need to acknowledge the barriers and then we need to put more effort, deliberate effort into recognizing women's contributions, into recognizing what women are doing, encouraging women to step up to the plate, forming some communities of women. You know, some of the discrimination we talk about, you, you see, it's one thing if all the discrimination was coming from men, then you can say, oh, we need to talk to the men. But you find out that a lot of times when you talk about discrimination against women, it is being perpetrated by other women. You hear stories that, oh, if women, if two men are working in the workplace, that a woman boss, for instance, will not want other women under that. There are a lot of women um, bosses. I, I remember I went to a management society. I, I was taking some professional exams on management. And I was talking about how my closest friends are women in the same profession that when I was growing up, my friends who were not in the same profession because I was spending so much time on my career, we, we lost touch. And my closest friends today are actually people who are in the same profession as I we work in the same sector. We help each other. Um, and quite a number of people right there in the meeting said, oh, that's unique. I don't know how you guys are doing it, but it's not unique. Women don't help each other. Women step on each other. Women try to get ahead of each other. They compete against each other and pull down each other. And you know, I had it at that management meeting. I've had it many times since then. It, it, a lot of the discrimination against women are being fueled by other women. Are being um, um, even I, I don't know. Yes, being pushed by by other women. And so these are the kind of things that need to stop. Among women, we need to develop strong communities ourselves. If you are going to push against. And, and you know that there are different extremes that some people will say oh if you support women then it's going this is going to happen this this that is going to happen i think we can come to a middle ground where it says there's the basic minimum standard basic rights that all women are entitled to it's nothing about being um excessive it's nothing about violating the customs or anything it is about inalienable rights of women things that they are just entitled to by the fact that they are human beings that they are currently being denied so i think yes getting to that point so 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 understanding the barriers exist recognizing women's contributions recognizing in subtle ways we are conditioned to think that are not helping women and addressing those and then creating flexible systems so for instance i gave the example that i ended up a job that i had intended to be um one person's role i ended up splitting it as two people and honestly it's one of the best decisions i ever made for the project because both of them are incredible the, the female is incredible the male is incredible they bring unique contributions to the table both of them go over and above 
but the things that the the, the, the woman on the team is doing the, the male on the team i'm not sure how much you'll be interested in doing those things and um, they bring different strengths and and these strengths are not based on that whether it's male or female they just bring different strengths to the table and i'm really glad i have both of them rather than having one but that's because i was in the position to actually hire i wasn't reporting to anybody in this particular case it was my sole decision to make and so i could make that decision um if when you have um more rigid structures of employment or things that say oh this job must only go to one person um it, it becomes a lot more difficult but if we had adaptable systems in nigeria for instance other countries may have those kind of systems well nigeria is one kind of place where it's very difficult for people to work part-time they're expected to work full-time full stop so so working a few hours a day or working some of the time is is, is something that becomes a, a challenge uh, and it may not be all through a woman's life. Maybe in just certain periods of her life, she needs more flexible work hours. She needs to be able to work in the middle of the night rather than from nine to five. But you have the system that says you need to show up in the office nine to five. Otherwise, you can't have this job. Those things are not helpful. We saw how um, almost two years of um, responding to the COVID-19 pandemic, um, workplaces had to be uh, a lot more adaptable, had to be a lot more flexible. And things happened, innovations happened, um, life changed in ways we never imagined. But good things, a lot of good things happened. But it's as if now that the, the pandemic is going away, we are returning to our old way of, ways of doing things. So I think it will be critical for us to think how can we make the systems more adaptable? How can we make it flexible for people. I, I had a very good experience happen to someone who used to work with me. So she was getting another job, but she was going to have a baby. And the baby was due like two weeks after they expected her to resume. She hadn't told them she was pregnant because she thought she wouldn't get the job. So when they told her to resume, she, she was like, what do I say? I was like, look, it's two weeks. You can't resume a job. And then two weeks later, you're taking maternity leave. And that means you're even working right up to delivery. Tell them that, look, I'm expecting a baby and um and uh yes i don't um I, I can't resume until like will you give me time to have the baby take some time off and honestly i was very impressed they said yes we we spoke to a, a senior colleague about it who's also active in the food systems space, and she was like look i've had this situation before i told them and they gave me two weeks that resume two weeks after your baby is due so she had to resume two weeks after her baby was due but but in the case of this person who used to be my assistant um, they, they have given her up to two months after the baby is due to, to resume. The organization said, yes, even though we're under pressure, we're going to wait. We've engaged you for this position and we're going to wait until you have your baby and come back. Those are the kind of things I mean by being adaptable and flexible. They walked around it, looked for other people to take on the task. I, I honestly don't know how they did it, but they were willing to flex it. In fact, she, she initially thought they wouldn't keep the position, so she said she resumed like maybe a month after baby was born. And then she wrote to them that, look, I'm not up to resuming can i have more time and they said yes please take the time just let us know when you resume we'll prefer you resume before this time so before three months and all of that so this is what i mean by being adaptable and flexible there are, there are several ways you can think about it talk to the people who are involved don't assume don't don't um, presume to don't don't conclude that oh because this 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 and this is the way it's going to be i'm not going to allow her to do this or or she won't be able to to deliver and all of that so i think we need to have those kinds of adaptable systems we need to listen more to each other um we need to to be open to innovation so one of the things that um 
the, the, this uh, international women's day is talking about the digital space is talking about innovation um my people i, I don't want to say it together but you know my people have a way of saying that technology has made things easy has made life easy there's many things that was unthinkable years ago the internet is there now we even have all kinds of video conferencing things that people can join meetings without being physically present you can have hybrid meetings so when you have programs why can't you have hybrid events and there are so many innovative ways of ensuring participation i i I'm a volunteer teacher, like I lecture volunteer for, at the University of Ibadan, and I'm not always able to be physically present in class, but I have some of these methods that the, the, the students attend my class, most of the time they attend all my classes, even though it's online, and they participate because I can give um, random quizzes. I use simple things like just Google Docs and it, they have 10 minutes to respond to the quiz. If they don't respond in 10 minutes, they're not able to submit any responses anymore. And that's it. And I'm not going to announce when I'm giving the quiz. It could be 30 minutes into the class. It could be 45 minutes. It could be any time. And so it forces them to be there. It forces them to engage because questions are going to come from the things we've just spoken about in class. Even though your notebooks are in front of you, if you're not listening, then you wouldn't be able to answer the questions. So I'm just giving these examples to say, there are many ways in which we can leverage on the digital space to make things easy for women to to allow women to maximize their contributions in the food system space. And, and you know, I, I haven't gone a lot into the technical pieces of what the food systems mean and all of that, but there are so, so many aspects of the food systems in which um, women can contribute to. So really um, leveraging on technology the issues of um, the data information asymmetries, for instance, we're not having access to information, we're not having access to capital, some bank manager or some credit facility manager somewhere, not um, allowing women to, to, how do you say, not allowing women to access um, some facilities. You know, the digital space removes all of those things. Access to information, if you're accessing it from the digital space it doesn't care whether you're a male or a female if i want to ask a question from google now it's not google google doesn't care i put in the search time it gives me the answer it's the same thing for more specialized um things related to the food systems if for instance you had a hub where people could go to find information or access services from an extension agent it's not going to ask are you male or female you'll be able to access the services the same way if we have um, good systems whereby people can open accounts online. We, we already have some of that going on. But of course, they ask for identification, which is fine. But in, you know, it's even though they ask for identification, someone processes it and all of that. It's it's not the same as um, someone looking at you from up to down and saying, oh, the way she's dressed, the way she's this, the way she's that. This is how her, her business is going to turn out. It's different when it's um, this electronic interface. The issue of women competing in the market space, the, women of, the issue of women selling goods. If they were selling their goods on a digital platform, for instance, then it, the platform doesn't care whether you're male or female. I want to buy 20 tons of means. I have 20 tons of means to sell. We make the transaction. This is the account number you're paying to. Where's your delivery address? This is the, the, the I've sent it to the logistics company. This is the tracking number. You, you get your goods on social so, 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 so
matter whether you are male or female, mobility doesn't necessarily have to come in because you can be in your house and the logistics company can come and pick the goods from your home. But without the digital space, it will be difficult to complete that transaction. And so leveraging on and digital space is one, I think, quick win in, in my estimation where we can uh, make things more equitable for, for women. But now when we talk about the digital space, so many women don't have access to the internet so many women don't have access to digital platforms if you go to to like in core households if there's one smartphone in that household it's going to belong to the male and all that who, who may not allow the woman to use it so she doesn't have um, a, a smart device she she may have a device she doesn't have access to the internet but access to the internet is um erratic and all that i was looking recently at um the, the nigerian living standard survey and also at the Nigerian Demographic and Health Survey, where it's talking about internet use of women and even comparing internet use, smartphone ownership between women and men. There are huge disparities. I can't remember the exact numbers now, but the, the gap is wide and, and all of that. So if we're going to talk about, okay, leveling the playing field by leveraging on technology and leveraging on digital platforms, we need to increase women's access um, to these platforms. We need to create um, friendly ways in which they can understand how to use these platforms, how to market their commodities on these platforms, how to get information and technical assistance to even compete. So when one wants to go into um, production, for instance, recently, just today, actually, I had somebody come to look at a small piece of land. I want to grow um, vegetables and it's just my husband. I was like, oh, this place is big enough. I can help you set it up so that... Um, you can even sell some of the vegetables and I was like, oh, I don't have to sell. But I imagine if I didn't have a job and I was looking for a way to earn income, these are exotic vegetables is what he was saying that he could help me to produce. I want to grow local vegetables. So you, you can grow exotic vegetables, the kinds that are only sold in big stores. And even if they help you look for markets and all of that. How did I find this company? I went on the internet to say I was looking for a company that did this. I found their website. Um, I called them and I said, look, I can't come to your office. Can you send somebody to come and look um, at the land? And I said, yes, um, it, it's close enough. It's, it's not even particularly close, but I said, yes, they can send someone that they, they will actually need to see um, the space I, I plan to use to be able to advise and all of that. This is one of just a, a small example I'm giving now. So if women don't have access to these things, they don't have access to the internet, we need to get the information. How are they going to, how are we going to level the, the, the playing uh, fields for them. So I'll, I'll stop here. Thank you. Thank you very much, Ma. You've really provided a lot of insight in how women can overcome challenges that they face, not just in the food system transformation, but across different um, facets of life. And you talked about um, the access to information, how that eradicates the barriers and the bottlenecks. When, once women have the access to information, especially digital information, you talked about adapt adaptability the flexibility and what really um, struck me was when you talked about communities and that will lead it's linked to the next question that i want to ask for we know that once women have communities once they have a coalition it tends to reduce the challenges that they face because they have a common voice and the next question is because we know women are the marginalized group they have been marginalized in different sectors, not just the food system. But how can we now increase their representation? 
both at the national or the local level and the international level. Okay, so so one of the things I will first of all say is that there are a lot of women who are interested in being on the table. So first of all, to do, to those kinds of women, young, old, upcoming, never think it's impossible. Like a lot of people, I I mean I, you know I talk to people they say oh I wish I could do this I wish I could do that. let's start let's do this I don't think I don't think a lot of times again in. Um, the society has sort of conditioned many women to feel as if they can't do something or they can't achieve certain ambitions or it's too late that they didn't start early enough. But um, there are so many women out there. There are so many examples. Just Google um, the woman who started a new career at 40, 50, 60. You find all kinds of examples. So first of all, is to, to the woman, the individual woman, believe that whatever you want to do is possible. Um, and be willing to put in the time and the effort. So you have some other people whose the, the challenges are, ah, it's taking too long. That um, I didn't know it would take this long for me to 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 break in or for me to be in the spotlight. Um, I'm going to do something else. I, I know somebody else who started it and has reached the limelight faster. Those kinds of things. So a, a lot of times people use um what is happening on social media what's what people people that are influencers on linkedin on social media and all of that to base the, to, to 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 assess their own individual performance and to say oh i'm definitely not doing well i'm uh, uh it, it's they're not going to make it and things like that so i'll first of all say we need to put in time and effort don't think that it's impossible don't compare yourself unfavorably to others so always think that yeah somebody else may be doing there will always be somebody else doing something better than you there's someone with someone who is more fantastic than you that shouldn't be a criteria for whether or not you, you take action for your own self then in terms of building the community we need to talk to our individual selves to know that the fact that one woman is doing well, it doesn't affect me. Like, again, in my language, they say that the sky is big enough for all birds to fly without their wings touching, like the wings touching. And and it's, it's the truth. Each person can fly, each person can find their own niche and excel there without, um, like, encroaching on what or, or without meaning that oh, because i'm doing well then it means that somebody else cannot do well or because somebody else is doing well then it means i can't do well and then we need to build deliberate communities as a female look for them there are women out there who would genuinely encourage other people to excel try to find these people if, if, they may not have so so some people expect more time than the women can give they may not give it time all you need to do is ask them one or two questions find out books you can read talk to people who work with them if you can't um reach them directly talk to other people who work with them go and read what they have written follow them on social media read their posts regularly there's many ways to learn without necessarily having one-on-one -on -one interaction or direct contact with people there are there are platforms that is of practice for yes yes next generation leadership um, where they bring together women. It's, it's. I mean, it, it's, it's not just for women, even men who, who share the vision and buy into the manifesto can join. But the, the whole idea is to um, help women build up each other, help um, the, the society at large achieve gender equality and um, 
equity in the and it's focused on the food system space. So th- these are women working in the food system space. They have these regular interactions. They have resources. They have a platform through which you can engage with other women and um, learn. So some of the things they talk about at this um, platform is talking about the kind of um, toxic work environments people have experienced or or um, ways in which they were stifled by um, some of these. Um, restrictions, gender restrictions and all of that, how they overcame it. So it's an opportunity to learn from other women, what are they doing differently. So find these communities of practice. If you try one and you realize that it's not going well, it doesn't mean you give up and you say, oh no, I'm not going to find another one. Try different groups once you find one where you fit in. Form one yourself if, if you can't find one. Like I mentioned that the, the people that I'm closest to, they are people who started out as professional colleagues and, and we make sure that we, we don't, in fact, we can't even compete because among ourselves, self, we can't even do all the jobs that we get. We, there will still be some that we ask this one. I say, ah, are you available? We say no. I ask this one, are you available? They're all not available. So we, we help each other. We encourage each other. Even in terms of known, it's at the level now that if I need advice on how to manage work-life balance, there are some I just go to peers that will say, please, when you were working in this place, you had this challenge. How do you do? I'm facing this, and they will help you. So you can build that community yourself. Um, look for like-minded um, young people, and always and always don't compete. Help each other, or just join. Those communities exist. Find them. If there's none close to you, or there's none that meets your specific needs, then create one yourself among your own sphere of influence. Mm, thank you very much, Ma. I'm- to round up, any last piece of advice, word of advice to give young women like myself aspiring to build um, careers in the food system? So I would say it's some of what I've already said. Be willing to put in the time and the efforts. Don't despise the days of little beginning. Um, you you ask people to do things like that. If, oh, when am I going to be in the forefront? When am I going to get to the point where I'm going to be able to put so, post something on LinkedIn? Oh, this is taking too long. Uh, it's taking too long. It's as if um, I'm never going to like advance significantly. And a lot of young women give up before they progress. The other things I've seen people who take time off to have babies and then they think, oh, I am too. How do you say? I've left it too long. I've been away too long. I can't catch up anymore. To so any young woman who was working in food system space or even any other space. Um, for that matter, don't despise little beginnings, don't despise little efforts, keep at it, be consistent, look for people who can support you. In times when you cannot do much, look for things that will help you to keep your foot in. So I've had, um, one of the ways I encourage um, the, the people I, I work with, the young women I work with is, if you, you are not able to go out there for whatever reason, you are not able to be out there, you cannot take a job, you cannot do this. There's so many um, data that's publicly available. Find a research topic, take publicly available data, analyze it across countries, write papers and publish it. Whether it doesn't mean you are going to go into academia, even if you are going to go into development space, you are going to go into business, you are going to go into other places by, by writing papers. But it, it's what it does is that you are forced to read because you have to read background and all of that to be able to put these things together. So it forces you to read, it forces you to keep keep abreast of what's happening. And when you are reading, that's when you identify somebody who is doing something that you are working on. That a lot of publications, the email addresses of 
the first authors are there you you can go on research kids you can go on linkedin there are so many ways to 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 reach out to people you've never met before and to talk about their work and say oh this is what you're doing i have some time i can do this volunteer your time um it's not everything that has to be about money i, I talk to some people that if you know that you can't do it full time now because you can't find a relevant job but you also have the pressure to to um so to get a job that pays bills and all of that it's fine take a job that pays bills but don't let go of your dream to to participate in the food systems to 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 contribute to the change that happened in the food systems one of the way like i mentioned is, is um by, by taking data working on data and writing publications another way is joining research groups so there, there a lot of research groups never have um, enough human resources so asking little things you can do they may say oh do a literature review for us do this for us and and to to you it may seem like a small thing but it puts your name on publications even if you're not the one driving it or leading it or you don't have to. the other thing is that it builds your skills by joining the meetings you learn and all of that and if you're working with the team you can negotiate for meetings that are outside of your work hours or you can take it during a break you can also look for local NGOs. NGOs are another space that never have enough human resources. Look for a local NGO around you that will have activities on the weekend where you can volunteer or just take like maybe a week, a day off every six weeks or something that your, your job will allow and volunteer in these spaces. Build your, your career gradually. Keep the end goal in mind. Keep what you are working on towards the end in mind. Take online courses. There are a lot of online courses for very reputable skills that can build your knowledge and um, that will allow you to interact with people and meet new people. And a lot of them, they are not bound by space or time. So it doesn't interfere with your um, regular job if you have one. And all of that builds um, form networks, form connections. People say it a lot, but I found it to be true. I can't remember the last time I applied for a job. Most of the time, the job I do at a particular point in time is somebody who I, I had worked um, with before or somebody who knows somebody I worked with before say, oh, we're looking for someone to do this. Uh, we're talking to people, your name came up and all of that. It's when you put yourself out there that people remember you when there are opportunities and all of that. And because consistent, just keep at it. Thank you very much, Ma, for the advice. I hope young um, women out there like me looking to build careers in the food system are taking notes that you have to invest in your personal development, build your capacity, build your skill, and build your network while you're at it, and don't despise the days of small beginning. It's only a matter of time. If you keep building yourself, then in a matter of years, you'll be as great as Dr. Luther. You're doing great work as well. So, <laughs> Thank you very much, Ma, for um, honoring our invitation. I really appreciate it. We had an insightful and engaging conversation with you. Um, thank you once again for your commitment. I know that you have a busy schedule, but despite your busy schedule, you still found time for us. And I hope you enjoyed this experience as much as we did. <laughs> so thank you very much, Ma. I hope so. I hope it's useful. And I, I share for my personal view, you know, this way, ma. Thank you very much, ma. We look forward to staying with, staying in touch with you in the future. And have a pleasant evening. Bye, ma. Thank you very much, ma.